Welcome to Revolutionary Health Live, the show that focuses on Black and men's health wellness. I'm your host, Michael Ward, and I just want to say happy Pride Month, and thank you so much for joining us again tonight. Make sure you stay up to date on everything that we have going on on all our social media at CNP Tribe. And if you're tuning in live, make sure that you comment, ask questions. We want to interact with you. If it's not live and it's after the fact, make sure that you still comment, like, subscribe, share the conversation. Tell a friend we want this to go beyond just tonight um, here. So make sure that you again follow us on all our social media. I'm so very excited for tonight's conversation. I'm welcoming back Robert Suttle. Um, he's a social justice educator and activist, and we're gonna continue our dialogue on the work of HIV criminal law reform. And if you don't know who Mr. Robert Suttle is, I'll give you a little background. Um, he's a student affairs practitioner in higher education and a respected leader and activist in the HIV racial justice and decriminalization movement for over a decade. Um, as well, he's a founding member of the CERO Project, an advisor of HIV Justice Network's Global Advisory Panel, GAP, and chair of the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation's Council of Justice Leaders. So I'm very excited to welcome you back to the show, uh, Mr. Robert Suttle. <laughs> hey, Michael. Hey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. It's good to be back with you. It's always exciting to uh, have conversation with you all. So I appreciate you all uh, wanting to continue to continue this dialogue with me um, today. So. Yes, and I'm so excited to have you back, definitely, so we can have this conversation. So I'd like to start off basic just for the people that may not know exactly what um, HIV criminalization means or even decriminalization. So can you just give us a little overview, um, essentially, of what that is? Yeah, HIV criminalization basically is the prosecution and punishment of people living with HIV for ex either exposing people to HIV, uh, perhaps a perceived exposure, um, and not this, or I'm sorry, uh, for not disclosing one's HIV status to someone or per perceived exposure. Um, or possibly even transmission of HIV. And so if you are a person living with HIV you in, and you actively know that you are a person living with HIV, you actually engage in sex and yet you do not disclose um, your HIV status prior to engaging in, in these acts, you could be uh, potentially criminally liable here in the US um, as well as in other parts of the world. And also HIV criminalization, uh, there are, at, Currently, and now less, a little less than 30 laws, uh, we've had some states to recently change um, that are modified their, their law uh, that exists in the state. Uh, several states uh, in the South and several um, all over across the country, let me just put it that way, instead of being specific regionally. Uh, these laws just do not require criminal intent. As I said before, if you're a person living with HIV, you know it you actively engage in sexual activity without disclosing or someone feels you don't, you're not disclosing it or exposing them, you could be potentially liable, uh, criminally liable and face uh, years in prison. Uh, in it, uh, for me, it was uh, up to 10 years in the state of Louisiana, but in other states uh, could be just that much or even more uh, depending on um, how, what that case is. Also, there are HIV-specific laws in these various states. There are also people can be punished, living with HIV can be punished under general criminal laws as well. And also, if you're a person that engages in prostitution or any type of solicitation, uh, there are also um, sentence enhancements. If you are, in fact, arrested for, let's say, prostitution or, or, or 
or soliciting or what have you, and they you happen and they happen to find out that you're also HIV positive, they test you, um, then there could be a sentence enhancement based on uh, that finding. So um, HIV is the only disease that's pretty much singled out, but. Uh, because of the stigma of, of HIV, you know, it's believed that it it was gay people that sort of created this disease, if you will, or it came from uh, homosexual behavior. Um, and, you know, the idea is that, you know, because it HIV does exist and it happens to gay people um, or anyone within the LGBTQ community, that um, this is like a punishment, right? So, you know, there's all sorts of um, misconceptions. There's all sorts of... Um, uh, people's own opinions about HIV. It's not really based in science. That's why we're doing this work to modernize uh, these laws so that they reflect the science in that we know if people who have access to treatment, who are on treatment and able to uh, uh, achieve an under, a, a level of undetectability, um, that they are they can not they cannot transmit the virus to another person. And so this this idea is not reflected in the science. Uh, that, is, uh, that is science, it's not reflected in the law. Let me uh, say that correctly. Uh, it's not reflected in the law and that's why it's important that we do this uh, work to educate people, legislators, policy people, all the stakeholders ab about what HIV criminalization is and what's the problem with it. And, um, and I had another point uh, that I wanted to mention about that you asked about decriminalization, yes. Mm -hmm. So we want to undo we want to undo um, these laws and, and, and addressing the harm that it does to just a community of people living with HIV. Uh, so it's not just people living with HIV, but it's also the LGBTQ community. Um, and it's also um, uh, the black community, the black and brown community who uh, bear the brunt of you know, HIV incidences uh, disproportionately uh, compared to our, our counterparts. And so, in the South where I'm particularly from, when you have HIV as prevalent as it is, and you have the criminalization uh, or the criminal legal system or these laws that criminalize people, you know, it's one in two, you know, CDC says it's one in two that black men that would contract HIV in their lifetime. And then for incarceration, it's one in three black men uh, will be incarcerated in their lives uh, starting at the age of 21. So, um, if you put that together, it's like the perfect storm. Um, and there's just a lot that goes in understanding these laws. Not many people are aware they're, that they're felon, well, one, that these laws exist and how, um, and what behaviors make them liable. And then two, um, they're not aware that it's a felony. And, and, and three, you can literally go to prison for years. And in some states it may require uh, that you uh, register on the sex offender registry. So. Um, there's a lot there that many people aren't aware of. Um, some may think that it's a myth, and some may think that, um, you know, they might have heard about it, but never really knew anyone or knew anything about it. But it does exist, it does happen, and there's definitely is a movement that exists to, uh, that's been in existence for at least over 10 years since I've been involved to, um, to address these laws. Because when these laws were created in the late 80s and early 90s, um, they were created it, with the intent to help stop uh, or slow or stop the transmission of HIV. But we find that it's been counterproductive. It has not done that. And so it's not really been good uh, practice for public health. Um, 
And um, so, and the thing is these legislators in these states, because these are state-based laws, these are not federal laws, uh, they never went back to really look at these laws until just a few short years back when we started this momentum, building uh, the momentum around addressing, bringing awareness and start addressing uh, these laws. Definitely, thank you so much. And thank you as well for the work that you're doing uh, to modernize these laws, because as you said, a lot of it isn't based in science, it's stigma. And mm -hmm. so I know we wanted to um, as well lift up um, some of the people who have been affected by these laws for people that may not know, as you said, this is not a myth, this is very real, that there are um, people who are facing these laws um, that are out there. Um, just to shed light on some of those cases, um, I know Free uh, Nushan Day of Action was earlier this month. Um, mm -hmm. as well, and we want to lift up some others. So can you just talk a little bit about what's going on um, with this case and some others uh, for people that may not be aware of those as well? Well, I will say this, uh, for example, with Nushan Williams, his case has been on in the media for a number of years, and he is a person living with HIV. And the thing for you to understand really is that Nushan has done his time. He's done his, his time for whatever he was convicted of. Um, and he is now being put in civil confinement or has been in civil confinement and they're not releasing him. And, um, and, for, and we can assume for various reasons, they consider him to be a threat uh, to the community, but this young man has been incarcerated for, for many years. So I encourage you to go to freenushan.com if you wanted to learn more about his story. But that's the point. The point of, of the matter is that I could, I am Nushan with, like I, that could be me. Uh, thankfully I am out of prison. I served six months in a Louisiana prison. Um, actually I was released from prison 10 years ago in January of 2011. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful that I can sit here today and talk about this issue. Uh, but there are other people who are still incarcerated um, for a number of years. Some people have had 30 plus years um, incarcerated. There are those that have been convicted in the military uh, there's those that um, uh, are women uh, that are living with HIV for various reasons. Uh, they have engaged either in, in, in sex work. Um, uh, so there, there's a variety of, uh, of, there are people who have been born with HIV who have faced prosecution. So it's not a particular type of look or group of people, if you will, you know, based on race. Uh, or anything, or gender, or anything like that. It it affects all people. And however, because of how our country is structured, you know, due to racism and um, institutional racism, that it it definitely impacts uh, people who will come from politically invulnerable uh, communities and have uh, bad experiences with law enforcement already, even before their you know HIV or or even now. Um, if they face um, an encounter with law enforcement. So um, it's not just any particular type of people, it's, it's, it's any and all of us. However, it is important to recognize that, you know, yes, we're looking at police brutality and all those things, just throw HIV criminalization in there. And that's also what we're fighting for when we talk about Black Lives Matter, because um, it, this, is, this epidemic definitely impacts our community. The criminal legal system definitely impacts our community. And so these are also, if you're not aware, these are things that we need to be also um, uh, fighting for justice for. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. And thank you so much for sharing your story as well. If you're just tuning in, I am sitting uh, with Robert Suttle, 
social justice educator and activist as well, um, as we talk about decriminalizing HIV and um, the criminal uh, law reform. So make sure you drop your questions in the chat so we can make sure to get as many answered as possible. Um, and I love asking questions as well when um, I know I have shows coming up and when people saw that you were coming too. A lot of questions that I have from people that didn't even know here in Atlanta, Georgia, where I'm uh, currently living, that mm -hmm. there was on the books. Um, in my personal experience as well, when I was diagnosed with HIV and still in my state of shock is that, you know, um, they slid me this paper and they're like, okay, well, just sign or whatever it is. I didn't know what I was signing, only later to find out. Um, it's an understanding that I now have an HIV diagnosis and that it is a crime um, if I don't expose my status. So a lot of people wanted to know, um, for people living with HIV, what are some ways that we can protect ourselves um, and kind of educate ourselves more on these laws? Yeah, I would say that, you know, for those that are newly diagnosed that are just unaware, because they don't really talk about this at the time when you're either getting tested, but if you're newly diagnosed, what's important is that you take the time that you need to get yourself together, to heal yourself to a point where you can feel confident in yourself and build your self-esteem um, as a result of you know all the things, all the feelings that we feel and that we go through and understand that you're not alone um, in your newly, being newly diagnosed or however many years you've been diagnosed. So I would say just give your time, give yourself space and time there to, to, to just wrap your mind around what you've experienced and what you're, and what you're going through, what you're living with. But, and then when you've reached that point, you want to educate yourself. And this is something that I'd say to everybody, you know, one, a lot of people know that they're living with HIV, but they're not educated about HIV, meaning understanding the science, um, the real risk and routes of transmission of HIV. Um, and I think it, it, is, it, is, it is important to understand that um, the more you know, the more empowered you feel the more knowledgeable you feel because you're 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 out there living uh your life and you may come across people who think they know uh hiv and they may not be living with but they know so much about it but they've not really you know they don't know a whole lot about it but you're living with it and i think that if you take the time to really educate yourself about it because there's so much information out there that you have access to it if you're able to get on the internet you can find this information take the time to read and learn about what it is that you're diagnosed with. Because that's gonna help you understand how HIV criminalization, because that's another thing you gotta understand. If I always say before you can talk about HIV criminalization, you gotta talk about HIV, and then you can move to talking about HIV criminalization, uh, because that in itself, there's a whole lot to learn. There's laws and understanding um, sort of the elements and things that like how do you get how does one get to be uh criminalized and what does that mean what does that look like in the united states um what resources are out there for you how is the movement addressing these issues what are the, like talking points and and things like that so there's a lot there to learn in itself so it's it's so important uh to one learn about hiv to to move to H learning about hiv criminalization then also in that learning what communities what groups of people or impact, or we're 40 years into the epidemic. So that's 40 years of knowledge that uh, you might want to learn about and learn about the, the uh, activists and the other people who were, have been involved in the HIV movement, um, from women to gay men, to sex workers, to trans people. Like there's all kinds of people that have been involved in this movement, people of color that have been involved in this movement. Um, 
And we, you know, we give props to those that were instrumental in, in fighting to make sure that we get treatment, you know, since the beginning with through ACT UP and all of that activism. Um, but I'm also passionate about learning about the black and brown community, the people who were who were not at the forefront, but definitely were there involved in the movement and the ways in which they've contributed and how they were able to to overcome, um, you know, these those challenges that they face um, as a person of color, as a black person coming through, you know, the epidemic. So. Um, these are things that you need to do to, you know, to be knowledgeable. And those things will help you um, protect yourself um, as well as being knowledgeable. Then, too, you know, if you are personally with HIV, you don't necessarily have to disclose your status uh, to anyone, uh, contrary to what the law says. And I know I'm saying this, but what I mean is you don't have to tell people things that you're not ready to do so. So that may mean changing some behaviors that you have, you know, or some habits that you may have so that you're not put in a position to have to, you know, be manipulated in terms of sharing your information because it is your information, it's your right, it is your privacy. Um, and, you know, that may mean restraining from uh, sexual acts or desires right on until you get to know a person well enough. Because there are a lot of people that, you know, I, I mean, it happened to me and I'm not trying to, you know, throw shade on anybody, but you never know who you're dealing with. And, you know, and that could go both ways. And you want to be comfortable to be able to express yourself in disclosing your status uh, to an individual who can handle that information. Not everyone can handle your truth. So, um, so you might want to be careful about who you're engaging with. Uh, and if you find yourself involved in a relationship, you know, take your partner to your doctor's appointments with you so that it'll be open, you know, in front of a third party uh, so that those uh, the information about your status, about your health can be dis disclosed in a sort of open, you know, healthy and safe environment, confidential environment between you, your partner and your uh, provider. Uh, also, you know, if you are disclosing through texts and emails or what have you, videos, do that, continue to do that. Um, however, there, there are instances where that may can backfire to show that, oh, yes, you are, in fact, you indeed HIV positive and you knew it because you said it here. Um, so that depends on, you know, how the information will be used in court. But I still encourage it. I still encourage you as to do that as a means of documenting um, whether you disclose your status. You don't want to tell law enforcement that you're HIV positive because, you know, they're out there to serve and protect, but they ain't knowledgeable. They're not knowledgeable about HIV. In fact, they're scared. They they say they're scared that they're going to be killed when they're out on the street. But they're well, just think about if you told them you're HIV positive, they're going to really be scared. So I say that to say that you can't tell them that information either, because you know, depending on how that interaction may go, you you know, you could find yourself be either being charged or they may feel like you're trying to you know get over on them. Um, so I encourage you to just you know share your information in a way that is safe. Uh, with people you can trust, because right now they want us to disclose their status, but it's, it's not legally safe to do that. So we have to do it in a way that um, protects us um, as much as possible. And so the things that I just mentioned should should help you out um, in the most, you know, for the most part. So. Yeah, definitely. And some great resources. Educate, educate, educate as well in the chat mm -hmm. I, um, that we have links to the Center for HIV Law and Policy as well mm -hmm. as Hero Project to educate yourself and as well, everything that you share, we definitely appreciate. We do have a question I wanna bring in. Yes. Alfred Dwight um, that says, how can one personally get more involved 
um, in this movement as well? Well, depending on what state you are in, um, there might be a coalition that exists. Um, coalition, coalitions have been building since 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so uh, depending on what state you're in, Alfred, there might be a coalition there. And if so, I can definitely connect you or my CMP definitely can connect you um, to those, to that coalition or to the lead, whoever's leading that coalition. Uh, and if not there, then I can definitely, you know, connect you with either the closest state or, uh, or even what are some national organizations that are doing HIV criminalization work. Uh, we have the Health Not Prisons Collective. And so that's uh, Positive Women's Network. That's uh, kind of narrative project or CMP. Um, Positive Women, Ciro, Transgender Law Center, and then there's also the U.S., the United States People Living with HIV Caucus. And so if there's not a coalition in your state, there's definitely a national organization members uh, or national organizations that exist that you can follow to um, learn more information. Yes, thank you for that question, Alfred, as well. Brooke, um, thank you as well for dropping the link in the chat and for interacting with us. So make sure if you have any questions, comments that you drop those in so we can squeeze as many in as possible while we have the time. <clears throat> and we have you here because I'm so very appreciative that we get to continue this discussion with yeah. you. Um, one of the questions as well that I have is, how can, modern, how can modernizing these laws assist us in ending the HIV epidemic, especially here in the South when we see that um, so many black men are still being um, diagnosed with mm -hmm. HIV? Um, how can we use this as a platform to end the epidemic, which I know is one of our goals um, here with HIV? Yeah, I'm glad that that is a goal. I, I kind of push back a little bit thinking that, you know, HIV is going to always be among us. Uh, I, I, mean, I guess I'm just more of a pragmatist when it comes to that, just being realistic. But it is it's still a worthy goal. And I think moving these laws, you know, removing the felony uh, definitely lessens the barrier, if, if not removes the barrier. Because uh, people, if they're finding out about HIV criminalization today, they're definitely going to have some fear you know, about either getting tested, um, you know, if they're getting, if they're really getting knowledgeable about this information. Um, I, I know I would be um, if I had learned about it. I'd probably be a little bit apprehensive about doing certain things because of just the liability, how easy it is, literally. Um, and so, um, so that helps remove a, a barrier, you know, happily, perhaps we won't have many people who are impacted by HIV uh, going to prison and getting felonies on their record and, and ruining their lives and their futures. Um, so that I just see it as a, a, a way of removing a big barrier and, and lessening the stigma because the way the narrative is out there is that if you're black or if you're living with HIV, you know, you're a dangerous person. And that is not true. And it, it is not true. And if you live in the South, that is the narrative that has been in existence for uh, decades now. And I'm just tired of it. And I, I hate that I'm, I got caught up in, in this. And it's all because of, you know, this lie, you know, uh, through white supremacy that they're telling and giving a narrative about Black people. And therefore, they decide to create laws uh, that not only are against people living with HIV, but also against Black people living with HIV. So it's just another way. To, to criminalize black people. And so I'm just like connecting the dots here and learning the, the history. And so I think, you know, removing this, this law, these laws or the felony um, definitely lessens, creates a less of a barrier and hopefully eradicates the stigma that comes with it and, and brings us into a space where we're recognizing that things happen to people 
And it's not like we created HIV, you know, the structurally, you know, because of the infrastructure that exists um, and because of all the isms and the, uh, the cultural conservatism and the religious intolerance that exists, that is the stuff that has created uh, the, these things that were, these um, situations that we're in. Um, and then they want to, so they want to create this infrastructure that doesn't support us and allows us to be exposed to all sorts of elements. And then you want to turn around and create a law around it too. Like you, they're basically trying to destroy us <laughs> on both hands, you know, and um, that's not right. And it's, it's definitely, I feel it's very unconstitutional and it's definitely um, not a good human rights um, practice. So um, I like to think that by removing the laws that it gives people the liberty um, to know that HIV is not what we thought it was. You know, this uh, demonizing um, uh, attitude that we have around HIV, that if a person's living with it, that they're, no, they're not a danger, not a threat. Um, they're people that need to be uh, treated with respect and dignity and, um, you know, so that they can live, live their lives fully. Yeah, because again, like we uh, said just a while ago, I mean, these are laws that are affecting real people. Real people like yourself have been affected by these and are now sitting behind bars because of those things, because of the stigma and not the science. And I know as well, National HIV Testing Day is coming up. So I definitely encourage people to get tested for HIV. Um, but the stigma around it and even knowing what your um, HIV status may be may deter people with these laws when they find out about HIV criminalization. And um, as well, I know another resource um, or ways that people can get educated um, is the HIV is not a crime conference and some of that work uh, mm -hmm. will close out as well. Um, what, what are you currently doing and ways that we can support you personally um, in this movement? I'm sorry, repeat your question again, Mike. I'm sorry, I was saying with the HIV is not a crime conference. I know that's another educational resource with people. Mm -hmm. Before we close out, we're saying, uh, what are some ways that we can support this work and you personally? Uh, where can we find you? Any last thoughts, comments? Okay, uh, so yes, the HIV Not a Crime Conference just happened uh, earlier this month virtually. Uh, they're probably gonna be planning for the next one in 2023. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's a, every two years. So I encourage you to go on Facebook and follow that, uh, follow that Facebook group, HIV is Not a Crime. They're also on Instagram and I believe Twitter as well. So uh, that could be a great place to start just to have that in your in your media. Um, I strongly encourage it. It's a broad base of community organizations uh, involved in the planning uh, of that conference training academy. And so what you do, you learn all the skills and, and strategies that you need and you go back to your state, you work within your coalition and you do the work on the ground to modernizing the laws in your state. Each state is different. Their political realities is different. So they're, each state faces different challenges. However, this model of HIV decriminalization does work. <laughs> it does work. It's just you have to tailor it to your state and whatever that, that reality is. Um, in terms of me, I'm just uh, I'm no longer I'm not affiliated with an organization uh, as of yet. I since have uh, left Cero, the Cero Project, um, and so I'm kind of just sort of being a free agent agent right now with exploring. Um, what I want to do in my future, I want to continue to educate people on all sorts of social justice issues, not just around HIV, uh, because we as people, we don't live single issue lives. And so there's a lot there that we need to be 
concerned with. But this work here is is my heart, is my passion because it is something that will always be dear to me uh, around HIV criminalization. So I'm happy to always talk about HIV criminalization with anybody, anytime, any day. Um, um, and I just graduated from um, grad school, and so I now have a master's in student affairs and higher education. So I want to educate students, yeah. um, young people, about HIV, about HIV criminalization, as well as other things around, um, you know, their racial identity, their social development, and that sort of deal. And uh, because they are a future, you know, there are future prosecutors, public health people. Um, they're everything, you know. And so I want to encourage them to understand the real history you know, of this country, of the black community, of activists, social movements. Like I want to talk about all that kind of stuff uh, for educating students around, around um, you know, multi developing their multicultural competence <laughs> and, and making them uh, understand that they too can be social justice activists. You know, they have, all of us have the ability to do that. We just have to do that personal work within as well as if you're a professional, um, in any type of profession, you have you have you need to develop a social justice identity within your profession, um, within your professional identity. So I want to continue to talk about those things and help people really understand um, the importance of because it's sort of how I've evolved. And so I hope to write a book <laughs> about my experience. It's been ten years, and so there's a lot to share. Um, I have some interesting things to share. Um, and uh, who knows, I may just decide to go to, to continue grad school and get a PhD in justice studies. So those are just some future aspirations that I have um, at the moment. But I, I do hope to continue my, my social justice work, whether it be in higher education or with another nonprofit. Um, I'm enjoying being chair with the, uh, involved with the Elizabeth Taylor's AIDS Foundation, being chair of the social, uh, the Council of Justice Leaders, working with other people who've been prosecuted. Um, and also using our platforms to, to, you know, talk about the issue. And so I'm happy to see that they're involved in the platform. I mean, using their, the foundation is using their platform to do this campaign. And um, yeah, so it, it's great. And also they connected to the HIV Justice Network, which is I'm currently involved, which is a global um, network of people living, uh, people living with HIV, but also people who are fighting HIV criminalization around the world. So. Yeah, that's well. And so, if you want to find, you can find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, although I should tweet more, but I will in the future. <laughs> Just taking a break right now for, uh, for summer. And then you can also, um, you know, email me at rsubtle2000 at gmail.com. Come on. And thank you so much for sharing your heart, sharing your passion here with us and continuing this conversation um, as well and educating, definitely walking in your purpose. So, I appreciate you again <laughs> so much for joining me. Um, if you all missed our first conversation, make sure that you check that out as well on CMP's YouTube page um, and as well CMP's The Reckoning Magazine. Also, Craig Washington, um, very important story there that you um, So again, we don't want this conversation just to end tonight. So make sure that you like, share, subscribe, follow us on all our social media at CMP Tribe and this video as well. Um, and get involved, educate yourself. It's Pride Month, so we wanna make sure that we take care of one another and stay healthy um, as we go about our business. Um, this Again, until the next time that I see you, always be good to yourself, and I will talk to you soon. All right. Bye.